There are two things in life more filled with drama than anything else in the universe. A teenager whose boyfriend has just broken up with her, and a fundamentalist preacher predicting the end times. One night a few years ago, at about 2 a.m., the emergency line rang in the rectory. I sprang out of bed to answer it, fearing the worst. A young teenager was in tears. My life is over. My boyfriend broke up with me. I have no reason to live. We spoke for a few moments, at which time the young woman said to me, Please give me a reason to live. I drew a deep breath and said, Because if you die right now, I'll have to get dressed and come over to your house in the middle of the night. I won't like that, and your parents won't like that, and your neighbors won't like all the commotion. Do you think you can live until the morning, and we can talk about this? Now imagine an even more dramatic scene. A preacher stands fully in command of his pulpit, interpreting the biblical prophecies of the end times. With the gospel passage we just heard as his platform, he waves his arms frantically to and fro and with marvelous histrionics expounds his interpretation of Bible verses from prophets to the book of Revelation, all of which are taken out of context but woven together in a tapestry of words so compelling that we're knocked to our knees in fear. When I was in law school in D.C., I listened to a weather forecast as the clock radio awakened me from a deep sleep one morning. The weather forecaster said, Clouds and a chilly breeze will give way to sunshine and rapidly warming temperatures by mid-morning, with the approach of the sun's killing rays by noon, cracks appearing in the earth's surface by midday, and the end of life as we know it by dusk. Enjoy the morning commute. It took me a moment and a few shakes of my sleepy head to realize it was a joke. In truth, the words of Jesus which we just heard, while no joke, clearly address the terrifying experience of one's world coming to an end. However, that's precisely what the season of Advent is all about not a sparkly and dreamy preparation for Christmas, but a sobering preparation for the end of life as we know it and the coming last judgment. But as the emotional teenager and preacher remind us, the end of the world comes to us in unexpected ways throughout life. The end of our individual worlds arrives as we see collapse and ruin in our lives in the death of a spouse or a child, in the death of a marriage, in the death of our dreams, in the collapse of well-crafted myths such as financial security, in a sudden diagnosis. These little deaths are terrifying experiences, not only because of the physical and emotional and spiritual suffering they may entail, but because we may be tempted to despair about the meaning of life itself. A novel from the early 1980s depicts life in Prague about a decade and a half earlier, with characters giving in to every desire of the flesh and ultimately determining that there is no meaning to life, 
It is entitled The Unbearable Lightness of Being, and it portrays lives lived so superficially that life itself is almost unbearable, utterly without meaning. The philosopher of nihilism, Friedrich Nietzsche, anticipated that total loss of meaning when he proclaimed in familiar words, God is dead. Do we not wander through an endless nothingness? The writer Ernest Hemingway, in one of his short stories, has a character express the despair of the loss of meaning in a prayer without meaning. Our nada, who art in nada, nada be thy name. Steven Weinberg, a 1979 Nobel Prize winner for physics, writes, This present universe has evolved from an unspeakably unfamiliar early condition and faces a future extinction of endless cold or intolerable heat. The more the universe seems comprehensible, the more it also seems pointless. Have you ever felt that life is meaningless, pointless, unbearable? Has your world ever come to an end? If so, Advent is the season for you. We heard from Luke's Gospel today. What we heard about the destruction of the temple and the end of the world comes immediately before Jesus tells his disciples about his imminent death. Before he speaks with them about the end of his ministry, he awakens within them an awareness of a more cosmic end, the end of the world. In the believing heart, there is little room for anxiety and fear. Through the little deaths that come to us, we may find darkness, but there is light. The Advent wreath reminds us of that in a gentle yet powerful way. One candle, then two, then three, then four, and Jesus arrives calmly and quietly in a silent night, so brightly illuminated by God's grace that the world sings of angels and hope and a new birth. The next time your life comes to an end, that is, one of life's little deaths, go ahead and blame God for taking something for you that is precious and full of meaning, but don't stop there. Each little death is itself a reminder of something far greater. We have not here a lasting city. Our lasting home awaits us beyond the walls and the corners of this universe, which each, with each thing taken from us through life, friendships and jobs, health and relationships, dreams and desires, with each diminishment in this life, you and I are taught in ways that may seem as potent as death itself that we are or we possess nothing that is not given to us by God. We have and enjoy them for a few years or decades, and as certainly as each little death points us to life beyond this passing, passing existence, so enjoying and treasuring each gift, for long as we have it, points us toward the giver of all. When each little death comes in life, think of the Advent candles, tiny flickers of light that overpower the darkness and allow us to see beyond the edges of our pain. 
Life teaches us that pain and hope walk the same path side by side. The light of faith allows us to look a bit farther down the path to know that hope has already won the race.